Hello and welcome to Business Extra with me, Andy Scott, and Mustafa Al-Rawi, the National's Business Editor. Today, we're going to be talking about oil, whether it's up or whether it's down. It's been on a bit of a bull run of late. What do you think about it, Mustafa? Well, it's interesting that you say it's been up, it's been down, it's been on a bull run. Um, it, it's hovering around the $50 mark, which given where we've fallen from at over $110 a barrel in the summer of 2014, people are seeing now, you know, our expectations have adjusted that, oh, wow, $50, that's so much. And if we can get near $50 and stay near $50, perhaps um, the benefit of having lower oil prices, sort of lower fuel costs for some of the oil ex- uh, the oil importers in the region would begin to be felt. Because up till now, when oil fell so low, all that people could experience was essentially the anemic growth that it was resulting in, not just in the region, but around the world. Uh, even you know, aviation, which immediately should do well um, from lower oil prices because fuel is sort of a third of their costs, didn't do well immediately because they were worried about demand and how lower oil prices would impact spending. Corporate spending went first, then individual spending. So really, it's been very, very gloomy and very, very bearish uh, up till now as a result of lower oil prices. So $50, people are taking some cheer. I, I would have to uh, well question what you say there. I mean, I think that Regardless of the, and when I say a bull run, I think it's up 61% since February, which I mean, you know, is a, was a fantastic rise. However, it seems so insecure, the price, that it's causing more uncertainty than, uh, than positivity. You're not wrong because we're kind of back where we were a few months ago when oil traced 12-year lows, uh, somewhere under $30 a barrel for Brent. Uh, because we're we're back over that worry of a strong dollar, which hurts oil prices as well as um, many emerging markets, um, because the Fed, uh, the U.S. Federal Reserve, is indicating that they may be ready to raise rates in ju- at their June meeting in a few weeks. So everyone's getting a bit jittery. The dollar's strengthening again. Uh, then people are saying, you know, what does that mean for overall global growth? The European Union is uh, is not necessarily showing much, um, despite a, a sort of 11th hour deal on Greek debt that the IMF managed to negotiate in the last 24 hours. Uh, but Brexit is another fear that's there on the horizon. You know, will the UK leave the EU, which again is causing jitters. So in general, we have been up 61% and there have been drivers for that rise, if you like. But now we're back to a position where maybe it isn't that stable. Maybe things will go back to where they were in a few months. I think you can't escape that. Well, I saw a a note, sorry to interrupt, but I saw a note from Qatar um, saying that they need $65 to be, uh, if you like, the perfect uh, price, as in that they can make a profit, they can invest in in new technologies to get out the harder uh, extractable oil. Uh, And therefore, I mean... Goldman Sachs have suggested that by the end of the year we'll be at $70. However, I think it's SMP who've said, no, we'll be nearer $40. No one can categorically call it because, like I said, there's a lot of variables out there um, affecting the, the, the mood and the outlook. Look, OPEC meets next week, uh, and I've never, I mean, not never, but it's been a long time since there's been a categorical consensus that OPEC's meeting next week is meaningless, uh, you know, for what is supposed to be the global oil cartel. But even if they wanted to act on the oil price, there's very little they could actually do anyway. 
um, and that and that seems to be the, the the focus. But going back to what you said about Qatar saying that sixty five dollars is the optimum price for them, there's been noises from this region, from Saudi Arabia particularly, and and the UAE that maybe oil staying around fifty sixty range isn't the end of the world because it allows them to push through certain reforms that would be politically undigestible without oil at the price it is now. Well, oil- I, presu- I presume that was a political price, if you see what I mean. It keeps out those uh, those upstarts from the, the shale oil and the frackers and, uh, and and everyone else who's now seen that, that the new technologies can can make a book a, a lot less per barrel than they used to be able to. There's clearly a chain here. And at the very beginning of all of this, probably those frackers and shale oil uh, producers were the target because they were the ones making money at the high prices that they were getting two years ago. But since then, there's been definitely a flexibility or a a move by Gulf producing nations uh, where they see that, A, they're they're keeping their market share in places like China, Japan, South Korea. Um, They're moving into markets where they didn't really have much uh, of a foothold like Europe again. Um, And they've they've said okay we're looking at that so shale then market share and then now they're looking at what what other things is the low oil price managing to suppress or move back this to our advantage uh, i remember tony mccauley our energy produce uh, reporter was talking about how the longer the pain goes on the less likely it is that if prices do shoot back up that these guys like shale uh, producers in the US can actually even get the funding to go back and produce. You know, the banks will be so leery of going in because of the pain and the suffering. You know, the more pain, the better. And then the flip side of that is for their economic policies, uh, that pain is good cover to get things done that would normally be seen as too painful, too difficult to, to actually make happen. Okay, well, I'm, uh, because we're probably coming to the end of the oil segment, let's just quick make a call on it. Where do you think we're going to be at the end of the year? Look, I called it right. I, I remember telling my colleagues that oil would drop below $30 a barrel at one point. Um, and I, I think I was I was grandstanding a little bit. I, I didn't really believe it. But Doesn't I, sound like you, Mr. No, it, I'm a humble guy, really. <laughs> but um, the, the fact is that it was I was trying to make the point that we don't know how low oil can go. Um, and certainly what we need to be clear on is that we don't know how long oil is going to sort of trace around these levels now. So everyone's talking about a quick jump up or a quick back down, but perhaps we're just going to hover in this sort of limbo um, where it's not really satisfying anybody, but at the same time, it's perhaps not hurting as much as it could. And maybe we could be here for some time. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. I think wherever we're going to be, it's not going to be a smooth ride. I think it's going to be up and down, up and down. I don't think... I think because of this uncertainty I mentioned earlier on, that that plays big in the market. Nobody money goes where it's safe, and at the moment, money let, and oil isn't. Let's safe. call it mild turbulence. <laughs> Is that such a thing? I, I mean, you know, the kind of turbulence where you can still watch a movie, but you might not want to have a hot coffee. <laughs> okay. Now, as I uh, we, we mentioned, the oil price it really is the kingmaker uh, for the region. Um, I've been at a retail, in fact, I've been retailed out this week. Uh, I was at a retail conference yesterday run by uh, Majid Al-Fatim, who are the, the, the biggest uh, retailer here, and CBRE, who are one of the property consultants. They gave uh, an incredibly bullish outlook to uh, retail in Dubai specifically, not so much Abu Dhabi. But uh, the fact is that they said that um, 
Dubai now, well, actually, sorry, held its place as the second most um, penetrated city for international brands, second only to London. However, um, it, what for last year, Hong Kong, Singapore, Moscow, um, Taipei, and another two others I can't remember, overtook Dubai and London for uh, for the amount of entrance into the market and that was all to do with the fact that those uh, those Asian, mostly Asian uh, cities had dropped their rents on their retail outlets now in Dubai and Abu Dhabi they are still incredibly high especially when you go to the super regional malls of Dubai Mall MOE and Yas Mall they are eye-watering those rents and this could be a real detriment what, did Majid Al Fatim have anything to say about that? Because them being, you know, one of the largest retailers by scale, and obviously they own the malls as well. You know, do do they see any benefit in in dropping rents, or is it a fact that just they'll ride it out while it is now? If they lose a couple of tenants, no, no biggie. Well, no. I mean, I was speaking to uh, Rajiv Suri, who's the head of their fashion retailer, the chief executive, uh, and as he said, rents are a function of sales. Uh, if they aren't getting the sales, and a lot of their sales are, also, uh, sorry, a lot of their rents have turnover rent. So you'll pay your rent, and then if you're a retailer and you do particularly well, you'll pay another 3% to the landlord, which is Majid Al Fatim. They win both ways. Uh, and the fact is, they can see what their what is being sold, they can see the amounts that are being sold, and so in their bigger properties, MOE uh, and uh, Murdiff and Deera, they are still seeing strong retailing uh, revenues. Whether that trickles down everywhere else, where because Majid, Majid Al-Fatim brings in tourists as well as, uh, as residents, which of course most people don't. You are relying on the resident market. And I actually asked three of the, the guys on the panel, where do you see this growth from, which they were saying there was growth in the market. People aren't getting paid more. People are uncertain about their jobs. You know, the, the the standard of living is costing more. You know, school school uh, school fees cost more. I just don't see it. I but I, I couldn't get a straight answer. They were bullish. Abu Dhabi, they said, doesn't have enough reasonable um, uh, space for the international brands to come in as yet. When you say reasonable space, reasonably priced, or it doesn't have enough actual space. No, 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 it doesn't have reasonable space, as in with access to enough tourists, with access to enough residents. They said the Mal, the Galleria Mal, they said, they said it's in the wrong place. It doesn't have, they said it's a beautiful looking Mal, but it doesn't have what we need to bring in those big brands. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, really, they can be bullish and they have access to information that we don't and and perhaps it backs it up but at the same time it's their job to be bullish it's their job to be cheerleaders for the retail sector kind of say you know things are good and maybe they are on a medium-term horizon but nobody can doubt that things have slowed and you know that that's a fact oh without a doubt i mean as, as rajiv suri said uh, they, they've brought in a new uh, a new brand lululemon athletica it's a very uh, funky yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they yoga, do free right? yoga on Saturday mornings, and then they've teamed up with um, Tom and Serge's new outlet in the Common Grounds. It's a coffee shop, but Tom and Serge give free coffee after you've done the yoga. And that, as as uh, Rajiv said, he said we're creating something to to bring people into the mall. We realise we have to do more. Well, something's changing. I, I t I'll touch upon Michael Fahey's story about the, the Dubai Canal project, the Dubai Properties announced. Uh, it was a billion dirham 
scheme. And what's interesting about it is that um, it looks like something is shifting in Dubai in terms of its epicenter. You know, there was, do you remember Imar had this ad was like a new a new center when they built the downtown? Yeah. But, you know, Dubai was still very much segmented. But you feel like with the canal is extending down and they're building these communities around that waterline. You've got Business Bay and you've got downtown and you've got sort of DIFC and all of that, that really things are shifting. A lot of the projects are about walking around having that experience yeah. city walk city walk uh, the mall of the world super project that's been announced in dubai it, it seems to be just a collection of streets <laughs> it's radical <laughs> who'd have thought yeah. of it <laughs> you know with shops it'll never catch on as nick ridley our local news editor said um but we, we speaking of retail uh, what about cars what about cars well i've been told by an industry insider Ramadan is going to be your optimum time to buy a new car. And he wasn't being um, much like Majid Al Fitzsame and Co. being bullish on the industry for no reason. He said, basically, the sales haven't stopped from the start of this year. He said sales are down 25% with quite a few of the major car re- uh, de- uh, dealers. He said they've already given you, offered five years for um, free service. They've offered free insurance. They've cut the, um, the, the down payments. He said they will take, he said yeah. they, they, will, they will move on price. He said some some, re- some of brands have even dropped, they, they even said we'll pay your deposit for you, which is, which is basically you're getting the depreciation off from the beginning so in a year's time you could sell the car for what you paid for it still yeah i mean and and the fact is ramadan is known as a time when uh, you can get a deal but he said this year i mean he said he hasn't seen a drop like it in years 2008 possibly he said but he he wasn't here then so he couldn't tell me but the fact is he said if you want a new car he said good used cars is a different matter but you uh, for the new inventory he said don't don't be thinking you'll be going to get a new bentley he said because they're going to stay Shame. the same. Shame. <laughs> yes, and I was going to get one. Uh, but the fact is, if you're in the, the, the market for Toyota, Nissan, and Ford, he said, make sure, go in, be prepared, prepared to negotiate, and be prepared to walk out, he said, because those guys will be calling you back in. They need the sales. Yeah, I mean, some of the deals are so good that they're positively upset down in the showroom. You can <laughs> see it on their face. They'll, oh, we'll give you the car, fine, but don't think we're going to give you anything else. We'll leave it on that.